0: Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time to gather together to worship you and to learn from your word. I just pray that uh, your word would penetrate our hearts and change us into the people that you want us to be. We thank you for the Holy Spirit who convicts us of sin, (laughs) righteousness, and judgment. And I just pray that he would uh, be active this morning in our hearts and our minds you conform us to your image, and we pray that uh, the teaching of your word would be clear this morning, and we just ask for your will to be done. In Jesus' name, amen. So with that, let's go to the book of Proverbs this morning. We will continue our study of Proverbs chapter 3. If you'll remember, it's been been a few weeks since we were there, but uh, we are in the midst of this wonderful... Portion of God's word that is, I refer to it as the most practical portion of the most practical book of the Bible for us in our our daily living. Proverbs chapter three, if you'll remember, uh, can be divided into ten kind of ten sections that are very helpful to us in our walk with the Lord. And so this morning, if we have Time to make it through both of them. We'll, we already introduced the idea of of giving and these kinds of things that, that is discussed in Proverbs three, nine and ten. And we'll, so we'll kind of finish that up, and then this idea of getting disciplined, kind of living uh, living in life in light of the fact that that circumstances are not always good. <laughs> And that sometimes we need to be disciplined as believers in both forms of the word. We need to be corrected in what we are doing, and we also need to have a a disciplined outlook on life. Uh, So how to live for the Lord, 10 keys for contentment. We've seen this idea of internalizing God's Word, that this is something that, that God's Word needs to become a part of, of who we are. And this is, this is an active thing that we do. God just doesn't uh, give His Word to us by osmosis, that it just kind of floats through the air like yeast or something and comes into us. We have to actively participate in this process. Uh, to to make it happen. And we need to trust in the Lord. Of course, without faith, it is impossible to please the Lord. And so trusting in Him is, is... There's a reason, I think, why it's right up there at the top or in the beginning of these keys to contentment. God's Word is number one, and trusting in His Word uh, is a necessity. And what goes right along with trusting in the Lord is having no confidence in yourself. Those two are really hand, hand in glove. We have to understand who we are as created human beings in relation to who God is as our creator. And when we properly understand that, we don't have a lot of confidence in our own, in our own thinking, in our own flesh. Which brings us to the idea of honoring the Lord with your money. Proverbs 3, 9, and 10 says, "...honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine." And the prosperity gospel teachers read this and they get all excited uh, about it. (laughs) Very unfortunately, as it is just a gross misinterpretation of, of this particular passage. So we saw last time that this is a command that is given here from Solomon writing to his sons who were Israelites, the book of Proverbs, the original audience of course for the book of Proverbs is the nation of Israel. And so when we read this as 21st century Christians, it, it is incumbent upon us to understand that fact and not to think that, oh, if I give money to my church, then my barns are going to be full and my vats are going to, to overflow. Well, first off, how many of us in the 21st century uh, have a barn? I, I have a barn, but uh, most people probably don't. I do not have a, a vat full of wine. <laughs> I'm guessing none of you do either out there. There's not too much wine production here in the flushing area. So, th- so it's rather obvious. Well, then, of course, you just well, of course, this is figurative language and these kinds of things. Well, what trumps uh, figurative language is the audience, who this is written to. And, of course, it's written to the nation of Israel, and so we, we looked at some of these things, from your wealth, uh, there's, there are still principles for us as believers in Christ in America today, and one of those is going to be this idea from from your wealth, uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that if, that you should only give if you're wealthy, it's a nice principle, however. That it, you shouldn't be putting yourself further into debt to give to your to your local church or to these kinds of uh, parachurch ministries, whatever it is that you support. Uh, but also, in in line with that is the story of the the widow and her two mites and these kinds of things. It, it's the idea of giving in a way in this particular instance anyway again that that uh we shouldn't base everything that we believe about giving from Proverbs chapter 3 so it doesn't mean that that you have to be wealthy in order to give it's this principle in this case is talking about that and it is the idea that you're that you are for an Israelite this was a command to them to do these things and there would be a certain uh, benefit to the nation if they were to do that. Uh, secondary application, yeah. Don't don't put yourself into debt to give to your church. Uh, but nevertheless, giving is something that we ought to be involved in. And notice it does have that term there in verse 10, the beginning, so your barns will be full. It's kind of the idea that so that... Uh, there's going to be a response from God, if you do this, Israel, you will be blessed. And this is because this was a command, a law, part of the law for the nation of Israel, similar to the way that that we uh, pay taxes, whatever you may think of income taxes and these kinds of things. We we do uh, have a government. They do need to be supported. So whether it's through an income tax, uh, maybe that's questionable. But there does need to be some sort of tax system. And uh, we ought to be paying it. Israel's tax system was codified in the law as part of the tithe or giving a tenth of, of principally their agricultural Income, the things that they brought in. It was a very agricultural society, so they were to give a tenth of their crops to the nation of Israel for an express purpose. <laughs> that express purpose was to support the Levites, the priestly line, who did not have an inheritance. They did not have a piece. Of, the Levites did not have a piece of land to grow grain on to make food for themselves, so they needed to be supported by the nation, and that is the principal purpose of the tithe for the nation of Israel. Uh, the first person to that is recorded, or at least uh, kind of the most well-known example of giving a tenth was Abraham. Uh, remember, there was no law at that point in time, there was not even a nation of Israel. There was a promise of the nation of Israel to Abraham. There was no nation. Uh, He did not even have a son at this point in time, or Isaac wasn't born at this point in time. When he uh, rescued Lot and uh, his goods, notice that Abraham, there's there's a lot of takeaways from the story of Abraham going to war. He was going to war for people and things. (laughs) And uh, nowhere is that condemned, actually. He was fighting for his family and for his stuff. Uh, And when he was victorious, he gave a tenth of that to the king of Jerusalem, Melchizedek. And so that was a one-time offering That he gave. He wasn't commanded from then on to give a tenth of everything that he gets in his uh, weekly direct deposit paycheck to Melchizedek. This is a one time uh, thing that Abraham did. On the other hand, uh, yes, Israel, the nation of Israel, was commanded to give 10% to the nation. And it was to support the Levites, as I mentioned, but it's also a means of testing and blessing for the nation of Israel. This wasn't uh, something that was easy for them for them to do, obviously. Yeah, but it was something that the Lord wanted them to do as a means of testing and blessing. And I think we spent some time in Malachi 3 last time, so we won't do that again. Uh, let's see here. Moving right along. Brings us to how this applies to the local church. And so as kind of a secondary, again, secondary application of this particular passage, we can take away some things about what the Lord wants in terms of giving. And first of all, Uh, giving primarily ought to be in support of your local church. Now, please do not take this as me standing up here begging for your money and these kinds of things. Uh, As I'm sure you all know, I do not get uh, a penny, let alone wealth. From this, from the operation of this church, so it, it, I, you know, I'm not uh, asking for your. Well, we're past the end of year donation, uh, so that I can go out and buy a new car. I don't take any money from the church or any anything like that. I'm trying to help us, all of us, be more conformed to God's image, because I, you know, as the pastor. Uh, that doesn't exempt me from giving or the same kinds of things. Uh, we had a, state, a saying in the Navy uh, when I was in that there's no, there's no seniority among lieutenants. Everybody who is below the, uh, the rank of lieutenant commander, uh, lieutenant, <coughs> lieutenant junior grade, or ensign, we're all in this thing together. We're just the little lowly officers, and that's kind of the way we are here, too. I have this position as the pastor, but there's no seniority among believers in Christ. Uh, In spite of what uh, some denominations will have you to believe, uh, and even some evangelical churches, or Suzanne and I, we have our Sunday night or Saturday night entertainment, watching some of these uh, individuals who are pastors of famous churches and he he referred to his wife as the first first lady wasn't it the first yeah his whole family they were the first family i mean you, you ought to do this it's it really is if you have the right attitude about it it's kind of fun to watch this stuff and just it's so cringe uh really bad yeah we're we're not the first family <laughs> we're we're all believers in Christ and I just happen to have this uh, position of being the teacher in the church. That doesn't make me any higher up. So all that to say, I I give too. This is, this is me talking to myself as much as I am talking to you. And according to the New Testament, we ought to be supporting the local church because the local church is ground zero for God in what he is doing in this world today so we ought to be uh giving to our local church it, it is God's main instrument i wrote down here in the notes God's main instrument of progress for his word in the gospel in this age it comes from here and so when we see uh para church ministries having kind of more of an impact in the world that's not a sign that that's what we ought to be doing. That's a sign that the local church isn't doing what it's supposed to be doing. Uh, and so, if you're, you find yourself as a member of a local church or somebody who attends a local church and you appreciate what they're doing, you, you ought to be supporting that. And, oh, by the way, also, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you ought to be attending a local, a local church. Believers go to church. We were talking about that at dinner last night. Somebody came up in the discussion and, oh, they're a Christian. Oh, where do they go to church? And it, it, it's just kind of, it should be, at any rate, your first question about a person that you find out is a believer. Oh, where do you go to church? Because that's what Christians do. We go to church. I love our online ministry and the things that we do there. We put a, a whole lot of time, money, and effort into that. But it isn't church. It isn't this. Uh, it is a resource, but it isn't church. And that's probably one of, one of, if not the worst, result for the church in general of the pandemic is that people don't come to church anymore. It was already on the decline, and now, I mean, that was just an enormous hit because as we learned in the book of Ephesians when we were studying that, that the, 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 the building is being built together. Each one of us are the blocks of the, the building of the church, and we come together we rub together to make that structure stand. That's the way that the, that the Israelites built the temple. They weren't in there with mortar and doing these. They stacked the stones on top of one another and the way that they were cut joined that entire building together. And that's, the, that's what Paul uses as an analogy for the church. The way that each one of us individually is cut as a person as a stone, we come together and create this building that is the church. And so it tells us that we all have a role to fill here. So we ought to be supporting the church. So some principles that we can take away. Again, there isn't a, a portion of Scripture where we can go and, okay, here's, here's our giving section. We just turn to 1 Corinthians uh, 16 and, and boom. We've got every, here's a checklist for us of every single thing that we need to do for giving. That's not, that's not the way much works in the Bible, really. Uh, it's, not a, uh, it's not a textbook where you go to the index and, oh, here's the section I want, turn to that, and you've got everything you need to know. It's almost as if God wants us to study the whole thing and put it all together. But one principle is that it ought to be done uh, regularly. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 1, Paul says, "...now concerning the collection for the saints." That's uh, the local church in Jerusalem. They were uh, here in Corinth, they were gathering together money to give to (laughs) a local church which happened to be in Jerusalem. Now concerning the collection for the saints as I directed the churches of Galatia, so do you also on the first day of every week. First day of the week is Sunday. Not Monday, not Saturday, it's Sunday. On the first day of every week, each one of you is to put aside and save as he may prosper, Proverbs 3, so that no collections be made when I come. Notice uh, Paul's, I just, I love the Apostle Paul he's probably my favorite character in the book, besides Jesus. We, you know, that's <laughs> who's the wisest person that ever lived, Solomon. No, Jesus, you're just not spiritual enough to realize that. <laughs> uh, a conversation that often happens. He, he, he doesn't count. He's the answer for every question. Uh, the Apostle Paul. I love Paul because he's so open and honest and just absolutely above reproach in every single thing that he does and he is misunderstood by his opponents and on purpose had to be (laughs) they had to be purposefully not uh, comprehending what he's saying but so that no collections be made when I come. He wants them to have it all done before he even gets there so there isn't a hint of him uh, getting rich off of their giving. A lot of people could use that lesson today. So giving ought to be done regularly. It is not a tithe. The word tithe is used two times in the New Testament. Both in the Gospels, both to Israelites in both circumstances. In, and both of them, oh by the way, by Jesus, are condemnations for legalism. So every time the word tithe comes up in the New Testament, all two times, it is used by Jesus Christ to condemn the Pharisees for their legalism. Ouch! Ouch! <laughs> the tithing does not play a role in the Christian church in the New Testament. So our giving is not a tithe, it is a gift, according to 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Paul says again, each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion. The tithe was a compulsion. It was a law. You had to follow the law as a a good Israelite. Not to be doing it grudgingly like you pay your taxes, or under compulsion like you pay your taxes, for God loves a cheerful giver. This is uh, something that I try to mention every time giving comes up in uh messages or that it has to be mentioned sometimes this is what we base our giving on grace giving we don't expect anybody to be giving 10% if you do that's great if you give more that's great if you don't have that to spare and you give your two pennies that's just as great as the guy who's giving $10,000 a week. There's, there really is no difference. God loves a cheerful giver, and it ought to be done as, as you personally as, have purposed from your heart. And uh, so that brings us to the idea of the blessings from giving, because there are this passage, Proverbs 3, 9-12, through 12, uh, or 9 through 10, points out that there is a blessing for giving. And guess what? There is a blessing for giving, even for you as a Christian uh, in the church today. Hold on to your hats. <laughs> Honor the Lord from your wealth, Proverbs 3, nine says, and from the first of all your produce, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. There is a blessing for giving, principle and there is for you also. It's not going to be that your barns are necessarily full or that when you give to your church, suddenly money is going to be pouring into your bank account. I'm not really even sure how that, how does that work for the prosperity gospel people? I mean, what I I, I guess I go to work and I get paid. That's the way most everybody lives. I mean, some people have their own businesses, but they have to go to work, find a, another job to do for their company, their business, and then they get paid for doing that. Uh, that's just, that's how the world turns. That Money doesn't just suddenly start appearing in my bank account for no reason. That, that's never happened. Uh, so at any rate, there is a blessing Forgiving. 2 Corinthians 9, 8, that passage that I just began to read from, goes on. Paul says in verse 8, "...and God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. As it is written, he scattered abroad, he gave to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower... And bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Notice that part of it. He's not, this is figurative language. He's not talking about, oh, you give your seeds to the church, you're going to get more, and then you'll have more to eat. And No. <laughs> you're sowing the seeds of the gospel, and you will have more increase through that as you give you will be enriched in everything for all liberality which through us is producing thanksgiving to god for the ministry of this service is not only fully supplying the needs of the saints but it is also overflowing through many thanksgivings to god because of the proof given by this ministry They will glorify God for your obedience to your confession of the gospel of Christ and for the liberality of your contribution to them and to all, while they also, by your prayer on your behalf, yearn for you because of the surpassing grace of God in you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. So all that is to say that Paul is telling them, if they are uh, liberal in their giving to the saints in Jerusalem, they are going to be happy. They are going to praise God. They are going to, in turn, be thankful to God for you and pray for you, and that's going to be the blessing for you. And so, yes, there is a blessing for giving. It doesn't necessarily mean an increase in your bank account, but it does mean that that uh, the recipients of your giving are going to be thankful for you, pray for you in this cycle of God's grace being poured out uh, continues. And so we ought to be honoring the Lord with our money as it teaches, as is the concept of Proverbs 3, uh, 9 through 10, which brings us to growing in the struggle. So we uh, give our money to the Lord and we need to uh get disciplined as well. Uh Notice what it says in Proverbs 3.11, My son, do not reject the discipline of the Lord or loathe his reproof. For whom the Lord loves, he reproves, even as a father corrects the son in whom he delights. Have you ever noticed that life isn't always uh easy and just a, a bed of roses? In fact, sometimes it seems like a struggle. <laughs> I personally have. And the fact of the matter is that this world that we live in is tainted by sin. Even the, the very creation itself is tainted by sin. And that causes life on this planet to be difficult at times. Paul says in Romans eight that even the creation itself is actually uh, struggling and longing for the Lord to come and correct this situation in which we are, which we find ourselves. And so, in in that process, we are uh, are going to undergo times when our circumstances are not great, and we ought to be not people who kind of moan and groan and just go into our corner when things get difficult. We ought to understand that this very likely can be the Lord helping us to grow, which ought to be our uh, goal in this life is to grow in in our love for the Lord, grow in our commitment to the Lord, grow in our conformity to the Lord. We ought to be progressing along the path to becoming more and more like the Lord. And in Proverbs 3, 11, and 12, we have this very uh, helpful hint for us along the way. If we want to grow in our conformity to the Lord, then we have to uh, undergo discipline at times and we ought not to reject that discipline as it speaks of in Proverbs three, eleven. and we will get more into this next time because we find ourselves at quarter to 11 so we're just gonna stop there and I'll save a couple more minutes for my voice as well so let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the book of Proverbs. I thank you for the incredible things that we find here from a a book written 3,000 years ago that is still so perfectly relevant to us in the 21st century. I thank you for the incredible uh, material blessings that we live with here in America today. Uh, It's not as great as it was, even just a few years ago. Things have gotten more difficult, but the fact of the matter is that the overwhelming majority of us live a more comfortable life than kings did 3,000 years ago when Solomon was alive. Uh, We have heat in our homes and food to eat and uh, uh, a roof over our heads and all of these kinds of things, and we just thank you for that. I thank you for the generosity of these people for our church and I just pray that you would bless them and uh, keep them close to you and help them to know how much it is appreciated and we just pray for, uh, for us to be faithful to you and to your word and we pray for your will to be done. In Jesus' name, amen.